Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. How many of us today have lived that, that we know firsthand that God has done something in our lives in a time of need and provided for us? How many of us know that today? We take God at his word, right? I remember when Victoria said, Daddy, I want a puppy. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. And I'm thinking of something she would not do, okay? I said, read your Bible all the way through and write me a one-page report on every book. And I'm thinking, I know I'm not going to get a puppy anytime soon. Three months later, she came up to me and she handed me all of those pages, 66 pages. And she said, here, Dad, where's my puppy? And I said, well, let's go look for one. She knew that I would do what I said. I made a promise. She fully believed it. She acted upon it and then looked at me to come through on my end. And by God's grace, I did. I think about the Lord. He's made us so many precious promises. It's been said we don't live by explanations, we live by promises. When we don't know, when we can't see, when it's like, well, it's not happened yet, but God said it would. So I'm going to keep trusting, I'm going to keep believing, I'm going to keep holding to the promise of God, and I'm going to find the very God of that promise I've learned Holding me. He's holding me. And the Bible says even in the palm of his hands, no, nobody's able to pluck us out of his hand. Our name is engraved in his hand. Think of that. He knows us like no one else knows us, but yet he loves us still. That's what amazes me. He knows me fully, but yet he loves me fully. What a Savior. And I'm thankful that I know him today. We're living in some very challenging times, and we all know that. And uh, everything that we've held true or we've had a value upon in our hearts is being undermined and challenged before us. But I wonder, where do we turn? What do we do in such a day? Well, let's go in God's Word together this morning to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to find your place here in God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this will be something that I pray that God will use to help you as it's helped me, because God told us ahead of time what we're going to face so that we're not caught off guard. He gave us forewarning, and the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to the young Timothy the one that he was training, the one that he was encouraging, the one that at this time was pastoring a church in Ephesus and was somewhat timid, somewhat discouraged. He encouraged him to take heart and to stand fast and to stay put. Just do what God has given you to do where God's given you to do it. And so as we think about it, this is what he says about the times in which we live, which would really uh, encompass the church age and a time to where the Bible says, this know also. Underline that. 
Remember last week we talked about some things we can't know, some things we don't know, but there are some things we do know, and we know that all things work together for good, right? We know that, that God is sovereign, God is providential, and God is personal. God's at work in each of our lives. And so as we think about this, this is something we can be assured of as well. God says in advance, there will be this time during this church age, a time when things will progressively digress. They'll not improve. They'll not get better. They will get worse and worse. The effects of sin and its intensity will multiply, even magnify. The effects of sin, we feel it bearing down upon us. The angst, the anger, the fear, the confusion that that creates, the darkness of sin. It really is amazing to where a lot of people are living today in this place of fear and darkness, even despair. God says, now I'm telling you ahead of time so you're not caught off guard, but so that you make ready and you don't think it's so unusual and something that's so unexpected that you're wondering, hey, where is God? Does God even know what's going on? Is God even at work? Is he still in control? If he is, why would this be happening this way? Why would he allow these things to go on in this world? And so as we think about it in that light, we have to understand that God is saying that man left unto himself, given the choice of free will that God has created us all with, will choose sin every time, will choose that which is anti-God, anti-Christ every time. That's instinctive in fallen man. That's human nature. And God says as man continues to get away from God, and he gets away from God by getting away from the truth, the Bible says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now I want you to underline that perilous times because I'm preaching this morning a message entitled Timeless Truths in Changing Times. Timeless Truths. Because I want you to see here in this passage and into chapter 4 what God is saying about this matter of how we're to meet these times. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous means difficult, hard to deal with dangerous even, dangerous times. They're here in the last days, these days of the church age. We're living even in the last days of the last days, it's been said, and we think about it as we look at Christ's return. We know that it's drawing nigh day by day. Our salvation, our deliverance is nearer than when we first believed. We're getting closer to Christ's return. And so in light of that, the Word of God gives us a heads up. Times that are very difficult, very demanding, hard to deal with, hard to bear or bear up under. Dangerous days will come. And this will characterize these days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. What a list, a description of the day in which we live. Someone has said you can tell a lot about a man by what or who he loves and what or who he hates. The Bible says men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's pretty amazing, very telling. 
The Bible also talks about how in verse 4, there'll be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. What do you love more than God? Or do you love God most? Your life will be characterized by who, ultimately, you love most in your life. Everything else will come out of that. And so, notice verse 3, without natural affection. Truce breakers. Notice these people, they don't keep their word. They break their promises. They're false accusers. They're incontinent. That means without restraint, lacking self-control. They're fierce. The thought there is like an untamed beast. They're just brutal. They can be just so vicious. Despisers of those that are good. It's not that they just don't agree with some people. It's like, I hate the fact that you believe what you believe so much so that I hate you. And I will not stop until I silence you because I don't agree with you. Now that spirit of antichrist, that spirit of self-love is so prevalent in our day today. The Bible says there'll be traitors in verse 4. People who are just those who would betray one another. Betray one's confidence. They're people that you can't trust. They are heady. The thought there is they go headlong into things. They are rash. They are quick to uh, change course without thought, without counsel, without prayer. They're quick to make decisions that are just even at times a contradiction unto themselves. And yet they don't even see the contradiction they become. They're high-minded. I thought this was an interesting word here. The thought is to envelop with smoke. Figuratively speaking, of course, the meaning to inflate with self-conceit, high-minded, to be lifted up with pride. I mean, some people, all, all it is is just, uh, uh, they live in the smoke of life. It's just smoke and mirrors. Uh, they say one thing, they mean another. They exalt themselves in their minds by taking other people down. That's someone who is high-minded. They have a higher value of themselves than they think. And by the way, which is the spirit of this age? It's not about valuing God and valuing others. It's about valuing oneself. And I know that we have to see the value that we have in Christ. And there is value in as much as we're made in the image of God. Jesus died for us. But in our sin nature, there's no value there. We don't want to embrace our sinfulness we don't want to embrace our brokenness. We want to embrace his forgiveness and his grace for our sinfulness and for our brokenness. Do you see? So we don't want to say, well, it's okay that I'm sinning. It's okay that I'm doing certain things that are contrary to what God says. I'm just okay and good with that. No, God's not good with that. We should never be good with something that God's not good with. We should let God and his word be the standard. It says, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away a form of godliness. That's without the reality of the truth. They can be religious talking people. They can uh, offer religious type things, but yet they deny the very power of the gospel because they make 
the things of God about themselves instead of about God. It's what I can get from God versus what God has given in Christ and what God wants from me, my worship, my devotion, my service, you see? And so we get that turned around. And uh, the creature becomes the object of worship and we don't even realize it sometimes because it's all about a form and outward. I've been thinking about that this week. So many people want to have a religious experience. They go to churches who are glad to do that, to accommodate that. And, uh, and large gatherings can gather because we become entertainment-centered and, and it's giving people what they want that makes them feel good and they have a religious experience. But I thought, I don't want a religious experience that is there one minute and gone the next. I want to know God. <laughs> I want to get to know God. To know God is to love Him. To love Him is to serve Him. I want my life to count. I want to be a serving church. Yes, I want to worship God. But out of that true worship comes a heart of devotion to God. A heart of love and service. It's not about what we can get from God. He's already given us everything we need in Jesus Christ. Someone said, Every Christian has two important days in their lives. It's the day when you get Christ as your Savior, and it's the day when Christ gets you. Does Christ have you? Are you His? Are you yielded to Him? Are you saying, Lord, I want to serve you. Yes, I want to be stirred. I want to be challenged. But I want to be stirred to action. I don't want to be stirred just for stirring's sake. And then I have nowhere to turn. And no no way to channel that in a good and and right way. Lord, stir me, yes, but stir me to devotion, to obedience, to service. God, I want my life to count for you. So the Bible says, notice down in verse 7, they're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now think about it, underline that. The truth, timeless truths in changing times. What helps us, what directs us, what steadies us and anchors us in changing times when man left to himself by nature gets away from God, loves himself, gets uh, just uh, consumed with self-absorption and then uh, there is this kind of cutthroat spirit that sets in in families and, and in all kinds of places that we live in our lives and what happens in those days to the true people of God? Well, they don't get caught up in that and think, well, everybody else is living this way. They think, well, no, I'm going to go back to the Bible, to the truth, and find out what God says because I know the truth will set me free. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God will give me strength and give me courage to do the right thing. And that's what God will bless. So you see the perilous times. You underline that. And then notice in verse 7, the truth. The truth. How do you deal with perilous times? The truth. When people get away from God, it's because they're getting away from the truth. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to man. So when you get away from the truth of God's word, you're getting away from God. And when you don't put a primacy upon preaching and teaching the word of God, then people so many times may have an experience, but they may not even know God at all. Oh, how we need to preach and teach the Bible, the word of God, build our lives upon the Bible, God's eternal truth. And you can see how Paul, that's what he practiced. That's what he demonstrated in verse 10. 
and following. But notice verse 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God is saying, I want you to live a complete life. I want to give you what is right, that's doctrine. I want to help correct you and when you err and show you what's not right, there's reproof. I want to show you how you can get things right, how you can process your sin, your beefs, your griefs with others, the divisions in life and all of these things. I want to show you how you can get things right in your life, how you can deal with your angst and your anger and your frustration. And the injustices of life is not about getting angry. It's not about getting even. It's about getting grace from God to rise above. When you forgive, you not only let others go, as it were, but you let yourself go. You're not carrying that anymore. You've given that to God by faith and moved on. God wants to teach us how to stay right, how to live a life of consistent victory and sustained victory. That's instruction in righteousness. That's why we have to put a premium upon teaching and preaching, studying the Word of God, learning how to read it daily in our own lives. This is the answer. This is our compass. This is our guide. This is our roadmap. This is the way that God wants us to travel between here and home. You get into chapter 4. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Again, what is the answer in these difficult days, changing times? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, when it's acceptable, when it's rejected, when it's popular, when it's unpopular, when people want to hear it, when people don't want to hear it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, there again, underline that, the time. See, it's the time and the truth. What do you do with the times in which you live? The time will come, and those days are here, when they will not endure sound doctrine, sound Bible teaching and preaching. They would love religion. They'd love for someone to tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. They don't have a value upon the truth. The word endure means the time will come when they will not continue in, even put up with. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to live that way. That's not what I want to hear. The time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. The word sound here is a medicinal word that has the thought of being healthy and whole all the way through. God's word is life-giving. It will give you life. It will give you abundance. It will give you victory. It will give you peace. It will give you joy. That's the path to God through his word and his promises. All that we need, all that we desire, we find in the soundness of God's Word, life-giving. It develops a healthy spirit, a healthy thought life, a healthy outlook. All of this comes from the hand of the great physician through the medicine of truth, the medicine of His Word. But after their own lust 
Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? Heap to themselves. I thought as I consider this, the times in which we live, heap to themselves means to seek further, to accumulate. More and more they will be in a hot pursuit of someone to tell them what they want to hear. If I go to the doctor, I don't want him to tell me what he thinks I want to hear. (laughs) Seriously. It may not be the best news, but I want to hear it because whatever I've got going on in my body, I want to know what it is so I know what I can do to deal with it, right? It's as plain and simple as that. And we're living today to where preachers, pastors even, are hesitant because they know the spirit of the age and it's like people just don't want to hear it. They're not going to put up with sound teaching and preaching and so they take the edge off of the truth thinking, well, we'll just kind of not rock the boat. We'll try to make do and see that's what we become then consumer oriented churches it's like what can we give to you to indulge yourself your selfishness your own lifestyle even sometimes in the name of the Lord it's like I've got my own life doing my own thing but a little part of my life is is the Lord God doesn't want a little part of our lives he wants all of our lives you see and so you can't mix our will with his will but yet we're accommodating that and the more you go down that path the more you become consumer driven and it's like, well, as long as we got people coming, as long as we've got the resources, as long as we're able to develop things and, and, and to give this appearance that everything is well, there are people coming to take and not to give of themselves, their time, their service to God. And it's heaping to themselves more and more. How can you help me? What can you do for me? I want to tell you, friend, that's the glory of the Christian life. God delivers us more and more from the self-life, from such selfishness and self-absorption, because that is the miserable life. People think, no, the more I can do for myself and look out for myself, the happier I'll be, and they're not. We're living today to where people are depressed and distressed and discouraged and anguished and aggravated, frustrated, resentful, and bitter, yet we live in a land of abundance. We've got more than we've ever had. The things just cannot make us happy. They just can't do it. Only the truth will set you free in your spirit and give you a peace that passes understanding. That's what we've got to see. The time will come when they'll not listen, they'll not hear it, they'll not put up with it, they won't be challenged, they won't serve, they won't commit, they won't be involved, and yet they think this has given me options to, quote, enjoy my life to its fullest, and it's exactly opposite. They're limiting themselves. They're missing out on the blessing of God. They're missing out on the opportunity God could have for them, but they get caught up in a world that is so self-consumed that they think, well, that's the way to prosper. That's the way to get ahead. And that's why we need to come back to the anchor of the clarity of God's word. He says, preach the word in verse 2, whether it's popular, unpopular, accepted, rejected. That time will come and that time is here. After their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the what? Verse 4, the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. The word turned here is a medical term as well, and it has the thought of to twist out of place like you would twist an ankle. They'll be turned away from God. 
They think it's an improvement in their lives, but yet they're hobbling along. They're losing ground instead of gaining ground. And so the Bible says that in the midst of all that, we're to continue. In the midst of that, in verse 5, we're to endure. We're to press forward by faith, knowing that our race will be run and completed before long. God is at work in this world. He's at work in your life and in my life. Are we willing to serve the Lord? Are we willing to stand up and declare the truth? I was reading. One writer talked about how churches of America, perhaps we have a space of grace here to where if we would thunder forth the truth of God's word, our nation could be salvaged because it's on the path of destruction and what's so amazing is there are people that are disturbed to action about their cause they're passionate about it but so many of God's people are still asleep trying to just get through life trying to quote enjoy what we can make the most of the day to day and not even realizing that a battle is raging the heart and soul of our country. The freedoms that we enjoy are being undermined every day and it's not being done in darkness now. It's out in the open. And we're still not stirred. They're coming after our children in every way, from every angle. And it's like, we well, don't say anything. And it's invading every walk of life, our education, our universities, our corporate world. Everybody's getting caught up in this and they're afraid to speak the truth. If there's ever one final place in a nation that could be counted on to speak the truth, it should be the local church of the living God. It may not be popular. You may not want to hear it, but this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. It's not what our church says. I'm not trying to force on you what I think or my philosophy versus yours. And so it's not about competing ideas here. It's about just simply this is what the Bible says. This is the truth of God. Someone asked me a question a few years ago, and I could tell that they were probing and could be a very controversial discussion because they wanted to pit what I believed against what they believed. And I said, well, listen, let's not talk about it at that level because it's not really important at the end of the day what you believe and what I believe. What's important is what God says. Let me tell you what the Bible says. And they were like, oh, is that what the Bible says? I said, that's what the Bible says. And they're like, okay, thanks. I'm telling you, we're living today. This article I read this week was talking about Germany. The days where Nazism was rising, churches were threatened, intimidated into silence. And the more silent they became, the more emboldened wickedness through government became. And inflicted upon this world was something that people said could never be repeated and should never be repeated. But we don't even see how we're trending down a path to where if the church does not rise up in this day while we still can and speak the truth, the day's coming when we won't have that opportunity. The freedoms to give out the gospel that we just 
pass by day after day after day after day after day. One day they'll say, you can't do that. You can't preach that. You can't say that. In fact, if you say that, we're going to lock you up for saying it. Because we've determined and made a law that that is hate speech. It's like, well, this is what the Bible says. Well, the Bible is a hateful book. And so you can't preach what the Bible says. Now, there are people on the sidelines right now that are being restrained by the laws of this land, by our Constitution, that if any way they could burn this nation to the ground and destroy our founding documents so that they could take away free speech and reinvent this country in their own likeness after their own image and limit or just cut out altogether religious liberty, that is the spirit of this age. That's where we're living in America. And I just ask you, are you concerned about it? Are you concerned about it enough to pray? Are you concerned about it enough to vote? We've got midterm elections coming up. What happens if you take all the salt and the light out of a realm that God ordained? God ordained the home, He ordained the church, and He ordained government. He said, we should pray for those who are in authority over us because God put them there to reward the good and punish the evil. What happens when they reward the evil and punish the good? You know what? In a representative form of government, that's a no-brainer. The people rise up and say, hey, you work for us, you're fired, you're out of a job, we're going to put somebody in your place that represents our values. Now, until we get to that place, I want to tell you, we're just playing games. Here, here's, and here's what's tragic about it. The church as a whole, it seems, is playing games while those on the other side, they're serious. I mean dead serious. And I'm just saying the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So how do you answer that? You answer that, you meet that with the truth of God's word. It is unchanging. But this is what the Bible says. And by the grace of God, may this church ever be a gathering of people who say, who say among each other and among ourselves, hey, what does the Bible say about it? Because what the Bible says is what? We believe and where we're going to stand. That's where we're going to come down on it. We're going to come down on the side of what the Bible says. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we need in this hour. You say, well, no, we need more. No, we don't. We just need the truth. Just need the, in, in changing times, you just need to embrace the timeless truth of God's word in you. Get back in the Bible. Build your life on the Bible. Study the Bible. Get involved in these Bible study groups and in our Sunday school hour. Other opportunities. Get to study God's word. Hide it in your heart. That is what God gives you to study you, to give you clarity when there's confusion. When every man is doing what is right in his own eyes and things are coming apart at the seams, you're like, whoa, where do we turn? What do we do? Is anything right anymore? The time has come when right is wrong and wrong is right and truth has fallen in the street. And uh, now what do we do in these days? We go back to God's word, a fixed point of reference. True north. <laughs> this is our north star right here. North is still north, right? Truth is still truth. I want to tell you, no matter what people are saying today, they try to reinvent things, rearrange things, trying to act as though it doesn't matter what you believe. You can say whatever you want to say. 
Abraham Lincoln said something about a dog one day. He said, uh, if you call a dog's tail a leg, how many legs does the dog have? And people said, five. He said, four. Because it doesn't matter if you call that tail a leg, it's still a tail. Doesn't matter what you call it. You see, we're in that day to where it's like, we'll call it this. We are just totally separated from reality in this world. And all we've got to do is step up and say, well, no, two plus two is still four. You know, the law of gravity is still in effect. I mean, you understand? The laws of heaven and earth that God ordained that our founders recognized and the freedoms that he gave us, they recognized that government didn't give, therefore government can't take away. We just got to go back and embrace those and teach those to this next generation while we still have opportunity. Because God forbid that our nation would be taken out from under us while we were asleep, spiritually speaking, and didn't realize the battle that's raging. The generations, the World War II generation, the greatest generation, they've been called. Their battle was to leave this land and go give their lives on foreign soil, soil so you could be here today. And I'm a father of seven boys and I cannot imagine one of my boys going and me never seeing him again. And it's like, but why did he die? Why was, it, why was he over there to start with why did he die that way? He died for his country. He died so everybody after him could be free like he was free. That speaks to me. All the patriots that have been lost so we could be here today. I'm telling you, friend, there are people that don't value that, don't care anything about that, nor you, nor me. We're collateral damage in their eyes. We're expendable as long as they can get power. And there's one thing standing in their way today, and it is the truth of God's word and God's people who will not bow. They will not bend. They will not budge. They're just going to stand fast. And all of God's people said, may God help us to stand fast in this hour. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.